Man, it is great to have you here this morning, to have you worshiping the way that you are, even in the midst of all of your thoughts. Right? We are glad you're here. And uh, did you see Sean come up? He laid stuff here on the table, knowing that Derek and I were going to come up and using this table after him. And then he says, oh, by the way, I'm feeling a little under the weather today. <laughs> rub, rub, rub. And, uh, if you were sitting next to people like Sean, we have dispersed around our building nice big bottles of this, hand sanitizer. And uh, you might want to go find people that you've been sitting next to or who've been coughing on your things and just give them a few squirts right there, all right? Hey, there's a lot of sickness going around, and, and we laugh, but if you're the one coughing, you're not laughing very much this morning, I understand. And we have many of our number who are out, not feeling well. Um, try to take care of yourself the best you can, get some sleep, take some vitamin C, get the hand sanitizers as you're going through uh, the building, especially if you're going to be hanging out in our children's ministry. Please make sure to use hand sanitizer there. Just bathe it if you need to. It's all right. Uh, we want you here, but we want you here um, healthy, all right? Germ free. That's what we want. Not that we've got a, an issue with, with that. Not that we're germ folk people. Here, I think you need one here. Go ahead. That's some right there. There you go. We, we, not that it's a problem for us or anything, but we just, we just want you to uh, come and enjoy. Hey, we're talking about love. It sounds like a good thing to do. It's Valentine's weekend, right? Valentine's weekend, and it's a love time. A lot of people are wearing red. We had the Valentine party last night. And we started looking last week at a passage of Scripture that we want to continue in today. Where we kicked things off last week was being reminded by one of the authors in our New Testament, the Apostle John, how that love is not something that we came up with. It's not an idea that we thought would be great, that we could share with the world. Instead, John says that this is love, not that we first loved God, but that God first loved us, and he demonstrated that love by sacrificing his son Jesus. And then he closes up this particular idea, 1 John 4 and verse 11, and he says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we need to love each other. Notice that he doesn't just say, hey, we need to be loving people. It would be great if you could be loving. It would be great if you could show a little love around the workplace. It would be wonderful if you were just a little bit more loving at home. That's not the way that he couches this. Instead, John says, because you have experienced God's love, then you need to love. You live in love in order to, to give love. Some of us, we have a hard time with that living loved, feeling as if we deserve the love, not just of God, but of others, our, our parents, a, a spouse. We have a hard time feeling as if we deserve love, and perhaps because of that then, we have a very difficult time sharing that with each other. And so we wanted to start last week with this idea, kind of putting it at the foundation that, listen, no matter how you feel about yourself, God is crazy about you. And he demonstrated his love for you, and, and he marked it for all time. That if you ever doubt that you are loved, if you ever doubt that God loves, then you look to the cross, and you look to Jesus, and you remember, God loves me. I'm going to live loved so that I can give love. 
And so we took that idea to the pinnacle of love in Scripture, the 1 Corinthians chapter 13 passage that we often hear shared at, at weddings. It's often something that is talked about around the Valentine season because in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul writes to Christians and he just gives a demonstration of what love is. And if you would, I just want you to read this along with me if you don't mind. You ready? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, last week we looked at the first idea of love, where it says love is patient. And what we're going to do today is camp out with this idea that not only is love patient, but love is also kind. So I sent out a text this week asking for some individuals to share in the kindness of God or share the kindness of God that had been poured out upon them. And I got a flurry of responses back and, and some came and wanted to, to sit down and share this information with me. There was a couple that came. They were newlyweds, and they came to talk about how that Jesus was present at their wedding, and how it was an amazing experience. The family, the friends were all there, and everybody was having such a big time that no one realized that there was nothing left to drink, that all the cups were empty, that there was nothing back in the fridge. There was, there was nothing back in the kitchen to be able to refill all the glasses, the bride told me she didn't even realize it, had no idea, said if she had known at the time, it would have been such a major embarrassment for her. But somehow Jesus found out. And Jesus went and made it so that all the cups were able to be filled again. And, and, and he filled their cups with something that was much better than the first drinks that they had been enjoying. The husband looked at me and said, you know what, we're told that this is the first time Jesus ever did a miracle. And we know that there are people who are hurting in our city, and we know that there are people who are hungry. And to think that the first time that he demonstrated his power was that our wedding, so that we would not be embarrassed. He said, that's kind, isn't it? God's kind. They smiled, I smiled. They left and a little later a businessman came in. His name was Zacchaeus. He was a short fellow in an Italian suit. He was all tan and teeth and he had that eyebrow that always stayed cocked. You know, the time, kind that fighter pilots and people that work for the IRS have. You never have to ask what their job is. It's like, oh, you fly planes or collect money, don't you? He comes and sits down and he says, don't let the appearances fool you. I, I have all the bucks, but I don't have a lot of friends. He said, but the other day, Jesus, right in the middle of everybody, said that he wanted to come to my house. And I've got a big house, mind you. It's right there on the edge of town, but, but nobody wants to come to my house because I built it on the backs of other people's labor. I skimmed some money off the top as I was collecting their taxes. But Jesus, he said, I want to go to your house. And there was a diner down the street or we could have gone to the club. But instead, he wanted to come to my home. 
Can you believe that? To my house. He was the first one to sign my guest book. It was kind of him, don't you think? He could have gone anywhere. But he came to my house. Later in the day, a, a woman came by, middle-aged, hair streaked with gray and pulled back. She'd been sick for dozens of years, she said. It was a blood disease that people talked a lot about in the 80s, but you don't hear a lot of a conversation about today. It had been a long time, she said. She talked about the doctors that she had went to and how that each time she went to one, she was told by friends, oh, I hear that they're the best. And yet nothing could be done to help her. Friends and family began to stay away. They were worried about catching the disease. She said her church hadn't turned her out. They just really hadn't turned to her though. And so she always stayed in the background. And one day Jesus came walking down right by her house. He was on his way to treat some councilman's daughter who was dying. The crowd was thick that was around him and the people were pushing, but she said that she was desperate. And so she thought about following him from a distance, but she kept getting closer and closer and finally she got behind this burly guy that smelled like fish. And finally, she said, for some reason or other, Jesus just kind of stopped right in the middle of the sidewalk and she almost ran right into the burly shoulder man, but she instead reached around and she just reached out and she grabbed Jesus' jacket. And she said, instantly I felt this rush of warmth and I could breathe deeply and my back seemed to straighten up and said, the people kept moving and I just stood there still. Because I, I couldn't explain it, but I, I felt whole and I felt, I felt healed. I said, but J then Jesus turned around and he said, who touched me? I thought, great. She said, I thought that for sure I'd been found out and there was going to be some kind of, of punishment. And so I, I ducked down behind others who were there on the sidewalk with me. But he kept asking, who touched me? He didn't sound angry, she said. He just sounded curious. So she said, I spoke up and my voice shook and so did my hands and the big burly man stepped out of the way and Jesus stepped forward and I told him the whole story. And I said, you told him the whole story? She said, yeah, the, the whole story. I tried to imagine that for a moment, everybody waiting as Jesus listened. How the crowd was with Jesus and how they had a place to be and a, a councilman's daughter was waiting and yet Jesus stood there listening to the story, the whole truth that this woman was sharing. I thought about how he didn't have to, the healing would have been enough. It would have been enough for her, it would have been enough for the crowd, but it wasn't enough for Jesus. Jesus wanted not just to heal the body, he wanted to hear her story. The kindness was not just in the healing. The miracle was the healing. The kindness was restoring her dignity. And then she looked at me and said, as if he hadn't done enough already, he called me daughter. He said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She said, I've been told he never used that word with anyone else, just me. And I looked it up and she's right.
the kindness of Jesus. You see, we're quick to think about God's power. We are quick to think about his passion, his devotion. But those who knew him, those who experienced Jesus, knew that God comes cloaked in kindness. Kind enough to care about a social faux pas. Kind enough to have lunch with a crook. Kind enough to bless a suffering sister. Paul says, love is kind. Prophet Nehemiah agrees. He said, you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in kindness. David agreed. He said, your loving kindness is better than life itself. It's better. And so we look at this idea and we think about what does it mean to love like Jesus? What does it mean to be kind? The original language carries a meaning that we're not able to fully render into our English verbiage. We translate into our Bibles the word kindness, but the original word carries something that's much deeper. Chiefly, it talks about an act of grace, but it also refers to a deed or person who is useful or is serviceable or who has been adapted to a certain purpose. In fact, the word for kindness, this word in the Greek was even employed to describe food that was tasty and healthy. It sounds kind of strange to our ears, but you might have been sitting around a table and you might have heard someone say, hey honey, what a great meal. The salad is especially kind tonight. Doesn't sound right. But the usage makes sense, doesn't it? Isn't kindness good and good for you? Pleasant and practical? Kindness doesn't just say good morning. It also gets up and, and puts the coffee pot on. See, Jesus doesn't just... He just doesn't talk about kindness. He fits this description. He not only attended a wedding, but he rescued it. He not only healed a woman, but he gave her dignity and honor back. He did more than just call Zacchaeus by name. He entered his home and his whole life began to change. So let me ask you guys, hasn't God treated you in a similar way? Hasn't he just demonstrated his kindness for you? He's helped you in a few jams. Hasn't he come to your house? Has he been there to listen to you, your story when, when nobody else wanted to hear it? The Bible says, this is in Psalm 107, verse 43, whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. See, God's been kind to you. And since God has been kind to you, you know what I'm going to say, right? Shouldn't you be kind to somebody else? Shouldn't you have been kind to that person who was trying to get over this morning because they wanted to come to church? How many of you, you're driving down East Brainerd Road and you're in that left-hand lane and, and you've got the turn lane marked out up there in front of you and, and you're ready to turn in because you're coming to worship the Lord and somebody, why they didn't know to be in the left-hand lane, we don't know, but they decided to get over and they put their blinker on and you're like, sorry, sister. Well, how did I know it was a woman? No, no, no. It wasn't a woman. No, it was a man. That's who it was. Wanting to come over on you. But no, they were going to have to wait their turn, weren't they? Because you had to come to church. And then they turned in behind you. And they parked beside you. <laughs> and you shared communion with them. and Kindness if we've experienced it from God, then we should give it to others. 
Here's what Paul says, Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Say, repentance from what? Well, sin, of course, but think about this. Could it be that the kindness of God is trying to lead us to repentance from unkindness? Now, some of you men might be sitting in here thinking, that just sounds a little wimpy to me. I've never been to a leadership conference on kindness. Never went and heard any of the Fortune 500 company leaders speak on kindness. Why do we have to talk about this kindness thing? That sounds like something for the ladies' retreats. That sounds like something for a women's Bible class, but not for men, right? And yet, Jesus would look at religious men, and he would say, go learn what this means. I desire mercy. The Hebrew word talks about loving kindness, not sacrifice. How kind are you? What is your kindness quotient? When was the last time you did something kind for someone who was in your family? You just got them a blanket, you cleaned off the table, you prepared coffee without being asked. Think about it when you're in school or when you're in the workplace. Which person is the most overlooked and avoided? What about that shy student that often does not have a crowd to be with? How about the grumpy employee? Maybe it's somebody that doesn't speak the language. Maybe she doesn't fit in. Are you kind to that person? Understand, oftentimes, kind hearts are just quietly kind. You let the person cut over in front of you. You, you let the woman with three children go in front of you at the grocery store. You pick up the neighbor's trash can that rolled out into the street. And you know what? You're especially kind at church. You understand that perhaps the neediest person you will ever see this week is someone who's sitting just in the pew in front of you. Here's what Paul says. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. He says, when you have the opportunity to help someone, you should do it, but you should give special attention to those who are of the family of believers. And maybe here's the biggest challenge of all, what about the people that you don't like? Or better yet, what about the people that don't like you? For other people that don't like you, how kind are you to those who want what you want or take what you have? How kind are you to the person that, that, that you just, it just, oh, it just burns your biscuits every time you see them? Because you know what they did, and you know what they said, and you know how they act, and you know what they're going to say to the boss, and you know what they're going to say whenever they come into the principal's office. You know how the words are going to get turned around, and they're always trying to put themselves first, and they're taking what should have been yours. Here's something you find as you follow the steps of Jesus. The deepest gesture of kindness is mercy. It is. See, Paul equates the two together. You read through his writings and you see how, how more often than not he will talk about how that kindness and forgiveness go hand in hand. One passage is from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 where he says, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, forgive one another. And notice the caveat. Just as Christ has forgiven you. 
Why should you be kind? Why should you show a little mercy? Why should you be the one that goes the extra mile? Why should you be the one that takes more on than necessary? According to Paul, it's because that's exactly what God has done for you. That he has poured out his kindness upon you. And because of that, then you should pour out your kindness on others, especially those that you do not get along with. If you don't want to listen to Paul, will you listen to Jesus for a minute? This is from Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27 and then moving forward. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. If you love only the people who love you, what praise should you get? Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without hoping to get anything back. Then you will have a great reward and you will be children of the Most High God because He is kind, even to people who are ungrateful and full of sin. Wow, did you get that? He says, you need to be kind even to the person that you dislike most, even to the person that you have the hardest time giving any kind of mercy to. He says, because God is kind even to the people who are ungrateful, even to the people who are sinful. And you know who he's talking to there? You. When was the last time you thought about the kindness of God? When was the last time in your prayers all you did was thank God for his kindness? You didn't jump ahead to what you want to have happen next year and what you want to have happen in your 401k and you didn't talk about this request and that request. All you did was just sit in the presence of God and say, Father, you are so kind. Thank you. You're kind to me. Says he, he's kind even to people who are ungrateful and full of sin. And then Jesus finishes up this thought by saying, show mercy just as your father shows mercy. See how he puts that together? God is kind. Now you go be like God and you go show mercy. You know, it'd be great. Bill, uh, Bill Emery told me this this week. We were talking. He said, it'd be great if there were just pills you could take that would make you kind. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, you're getting ready to go to work and you just pull up and you reach over in the side console and, and you just pull out a kindness pill. You just pop it in. And, and you, don't, you don't take the space at the very front. No, you go and park all the way in the back of the lot. That's what you do because you had your kindness pill and, and you're kind and, and you walk up to the door and there's somebody else that's coming in and you hold the door open and not just for one person, you just decide, you know what, I'm here early today. I think I'll just stand here and hold the door for everybody that comes because I had my kindness pill. You're walking by Starbucks, it's right there and you think, you know what, I would really like to get one of those Frappa Mocha Pacinis things and, and so you thought, you know what? I bet everybody, I bet everybody in my office would like one of these. Starbucks for everybody. And so you just start going and buying up Starbucks cards, and then you go and take them, and you're just throwing them out. Why? Because you had your kindness pill. Wouldn't that be cool? Man, and just think about when you came home. Man, you pull up into the driveway, and some of you really need this, okay? You pull up in the driveway, and you reach over, and you pull out your kindness pill. And you pop it in, and you walk in, and it's like, 
I have the best family in the world. Man, I've never seen such good-looking kids. Well, my spouse is awesome. Hey, everybody, let's go to Disney World. I mean, wow, all because you had your kindness pill. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, we don't have kindness pills, but we do have Skittles, you know? And so I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if all you had to do was just tear open a bag of Skittles and you just pop a little kindness in your mouth? I mean, everybody loves Skittles, right? I mean, man, that's good. It makes you feel better. Anyway, it makes you want to share. Here, have some kindness. Take, uh, here, just take the whole thing. Just, just pass it around. That's good. Don't worry, I got a whole bag of them. We're, we're good. Um, you know, it, it would be really awesome if that was the case. That all we had to do was just open up a bag of Skittles, reach out, take a kindness pill, and everything changes in our life. It doesn't work that way. But according to Scripture, what does happen is this. If you will reflect on God's kindness, it will increase yours. That's simple. It's not like a 12-step plan that you need. You reflect on God's kindness and what He has done for you, and it cannot help but increase yours. And then, once you experience that, once you understand that you were the one that was ungrateful and, and, and you were the one that received the, the sacrifice of Jesus and it was because of you that the, the wrath of God was poured out upon him, when that begins to come to mind and you begin to realize, you know what, that rainbow, that was for me and the sunshine that warms me is for me and, and the air that I breathe and you begin to see all the kindness of God and then you know what you want to do? You just want to share it, don't you? Yeah. Man, you want to share it. Here we go. Have some. There we go. Take some. In fact, hey, this is not working good. So here, Nikki, just go in them. Just go, go and share those. Just sprinkle. That's right. Just share. Hey, want to make sure that everybody gets a little kindness reminder today. Right? Steve Kahn. Here we go. Come here, buddy. Here you go. You got a full box there. Share those. Hey. Here you go, little Mercer. Go. You, you don't get to keep those all. No, I know. He's like, this is awesome. No, you got to start walking. You got to start walking, and you got to start giving these away. Here we go. Go ahead and take these back. You're welcome. Hey, do you see the response? Did you hear that? She just said, I love you, Mr. Barnett. Thank you. Why? Because I'm sharing a little kindness. Imagine the response that you're going to get when you go to lunch today and, and, and you are kind to the person that's serving. You're kind to those who are sitting around you. Imagine the response you're going to get tomorrow when you go to work. Luke, don't, hey, don't just walk around asking if people want it. You give it away. Share the kindness. There you go, buddy. But try to share it with people. Not just the people. Walk in the back. We got some people in the back that need some kindness shared with them. Come on. Get people in the back. Share them. Come on, pass them around. Here's what I want you to do with those today, guys. There are 100 packs of Skittles being shared right now in this room. Inside each pack of Skittles, there are many, many little Skittles. Now, you got choices. You can find somebody here in, uh, 
in our um, auditorium today, somebody that's already gone to Kids Praise and We Worship, and you can go and give them a Skittle, just shake one out in their hand. You don't have to reach in yourself, because remember, we're trying to keep everybody healthy, right? And, and just share them. And when they say, hey, what's this for? You say, well, I'm trying to remember to share the kindness of God. Maybe you don't want to do it here. Maybe you want to do it today when you go to lunch. Maybe you want to do it sometime this week. You keep that pack of Skittles with you, and you share it with somebody that's in the office. And they say, why are you sharing Skittles? You say, this is a reminder for me to share the kindness that God has already poured out upon me. Can you do that? I hope so. Because it's a way for us to demonstrate how that we are truly living loved. You see, if you live love, you give love. And it's great to be able to talk about kindness, and we laugh, and we use different things to try to get points across, but it all means nothing if you are unkind. How has God demonstrated His kindness towards you? We're going to sing together about how that If it hadn't been God who was on our side, we don't know what we would have done. We're going to sing about the kindness of God. And perhaps as we're singing, that song and maybe some other things that we've already shared today will be motivation that the Spirit will use for you to come before this body and say, you know what, I need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. If God loved me that much, the least I can do is give myself to Him and accept the salvation that He offers because I believe that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God. Maybe it needs to be motivation for you to come forward and say, you know what, I have been ungrateful and I have not been thankful because there's been a lot of things that have just been, just gone wrong in my life. And I haven't focused on the blessings of God. I've been so focused on the things that I wish had happened or I wish that I had had. Maybe you need to come and say, you know what, I just need your prayers, church. Whatever your need might be, we encourage you to come and be kind as we stand and sing.